0: Well, good morning. Thank you. You didn't know we were this big, did you? I mean, this is like two services that have been full, and so thank you guys. If this is your first time with us, we especially want to welcome you as we celebrate Easter today. Well, as I was going through the Easter week and, and thinking about this time that we would have, I couldn't help but remember and start thinking about uh, just celebrating the, the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what that brings to, to each one of us. And so as I was thinking about that, I was, I was thinking about heroes. And, you know, there's something about us that we all have heroes or, or we like heroes. And in fact, is the Greeks told us this, the Greeks says that you can tell a lot by a people group by the heroes they crown. It says a lot about our society. It says a lot about our generation. And so I started thinking about some of the heroes that, that I have looked at or, or had in, in my past. And so I remember as a child, I had... Uh, I had some sports heroes, maybe like a lot of you. I had um, uh, Don Meredith, I had a, a Roger Stallback, and, uh, and then I had Tom Landry, and, and I know those are all Dallas Cowboys, and it's kind of like Bronco territory, but I almost put Craig Morton in there. He was a cowboy, and then he went to you guys and took you guys to the Super Bowl. So. I thought I'd just throw that in, maybe not. And so I had sports heroes, and there's something about heroes that you just want to be like them. I mean, I grew up dreaming about throwing the winning touchdown pass or, or bringing the, the, the team back in the last minute, or the last two minutes like Roger Staubach had done so many years in so many different games. But you know what, it, it, it didn't stop there. I, I had some heroes that, that uh, just, some, just some men of courage, like Lloyd Bridges of Sea Hunt. You guys remember him? I mean, I grew up, I wanted to be like him. Fact is, I wanted to be an oceanographer for a number of years because of of Lloyd Bridges. And well, how about Chuck Connors, the rifleman? They just don't make shows like that anymore. I mean, great principles, family values. And, and uh, fact is, my first rifle that I ever personally bought... Uh, was was a lever action thirty thirty because I wanted to be able to shoot like Chuck Connors and I just was never able to shoot that fast and so so but uh, but then it doesn't stop there with with with, uh, with, with heroes in, in life and, and then there was there was John Wayne and well, we got some John Wayne fans. And so there was just something about John Wayne and you know what I realized in the early service, Justin made sure that all my heroes were in black and white. Thank you very much. We did have color in those days. And then of course, there's another hero and it's probably everybody's favorite. Uh, there's Barney Fife and he was a favorite of a lot of people and so, so you look at this issue of heroes and you find that you know what, we all want we all wanna be a hero, right? Especially men. I mean, men dream about running into a burden, burning building when everybody else is running away. Or, or men dream about trying to decide whether they cut the red wire, the blue wire, the green wire, the white wire, and, and they cut the right one. I mean, there's something about heroes. There's something about us that we either, we, we either want to be a hero or we look to heroes. There was a group of people back in the Bible And for thousands of years, they had been told about this hero that would rise. They had been told about the Messiah. They had been told about the promised one. And every generation waited expectantly for this person. And even though they saw some great men of faith rise, in Elijah, in Joshua, in Moses, in Samson, in Elijah all would pale into comparison of the promised one the one that all the prophets have been writing about the one that would enter this world and he would be more than a hero you see jesus doesn't want to just be your hero In fact is he doesn't even want to be here he wants to be your savior He wants to be the one that comes and saves the world and wipes away sin and gives forgiveness to those and the gift of eternal life. And one day this hero showed up. But he showed up in very non-hero-like fashion. Born in a barn, no home, no birthing room. Born in an insignificant town. Small town like Nazareth. Nazareth. Grew up pounding nails and framing houses with his dad. Until one day. One day, he hung up his tool belt. And he started talking with the authority of God. I mean, people that heard him speak, even at a young age. says, it appears this person has experienced God like none other. Fact is, it's even deeper than that. He appears to be God. And he began developing and growing. And joy just seemed to flow from him. He gave peace and he gave comfort to others. And they watched him grow and they watched him in his ministry And he spoke with authority. And they watched him love the outcast of society. They watched him love all people. They had never experienced anyone like this ever before. They watched him heal the blind. They watched him walk on water. They watched him make crooked legs straight. And crooked lives straight as well. They had never seen anybody like this ever before in their life. With a word, he could calm a a storm. He could walk on waves. Women were valued by him. Race was a non-issue. He seemed to be able, when he would look at people, he seemed to be able to look at the, underneath the surface of things where he could see the hearts and the motives and the thoughts. He was so different that people began to embrace him as their hero. And some kind of knew that he was the Messiah, the promised one. And they knew that he was the one that would save people and that he'd be their king. But they didn't quite get it. They thought he would be the one that would overthrow the Roman government. He would be the ones that would crush the Romans and bring them into power. See, they were looking for a hero and not a savior. But six hours on a wooden cross changed everything. In some respects, those that didn't understand crushed their dreams. You see, Jesus didn't want to be their hero. He wanted to be so much more. He wanted to be their Messiah. In fact, is in his earthly ministry, over and over and over, he tried to explain to them God's redemptive plan. That he must be crucified on a cross. But on the third day that he would rise. In Mark chapter 8, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Then we're going to move to Luke chapter 24 and then John 21 as we look at this story. And in Mark chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus began to explain to the disciples to prepare them for the redemptive plan to to what he was going to suffer, what he was going to go through. Speaking in verse 31, he says this. And he began to teach them, Jesus that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. Now watch this, verse 12, uh, verse 32. And he said this plainly. He said this as clearly as he could. Because this was so critical to them. It's so critical to you. It's so critical to me that we understand this. And so he says, as plainly as he could, I want you to understand God's redemptive plan. And Simon Peter took him aside and rebuked him. By turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. See, when we live a life to where we're looking for heroes to make our life better, we have set our mind on the things of man and not the things of God. This was their problem. Can you imagine what Jesus, what, what would have happened if Jesus answered the request of Simon Peter? We wouldn't have salvation. We wouldn't have eternal life see so many of us live our life setting our minds on the things of man instead of the things of God to where we, we prop ourselves up for failure because we set up heroes in our life and we want them to do for us what only God can do and then when they let us down we're we're crushed you see Jesus over and over explained this to them and he and and ex- explain this that he wanted to take away their sin and he wanted to give them forgiveness and he wanted to give them a new life And they'd put their hope in him. And they started thinking if he was powerful enough to calm a storm, why couldn't he stop this? Why couldn't he just stop this? I mean, they watched him die on a cross. This devastated them. And don't be too hard on them that they just didn't get it. Because so many times, we're the same way. I will never forget in 1972, my dad took me to see the movie The Cowboys with John Wayne. We went to a lot of John Wayne movies together, and so we went and saw John Wayne. And if you, didn't, if you don't know the movie or, or forgot the movie, I can remember the theater that I was in in Tyler, Texas. I can remember everything about it because I was devastated when I walked out of that movie. That was the movie, the first time that I ever saw a, a hero die. Remember that movie and Bruce Duran uh, not only just killed John Wayne, But he embarrassed him. And uh, it was brutal. I still haven't forgiven uh, Bruce Dern. (laughs) I still got issues with him. Listen. It devastated them. Because they didn't get it. See, they had their minds set on the things of man and not the things of God. They were looking for a hero. They were looking for something earthly, something temporal. They were looking for a king that could crush the Romans and set them in power and right right, everything that was wrong. And Simon Peter still didn't get it. I mean, Simon Peter was the one that had promised to follow him and said, no matter what, I'll follow you to death if I have to. No matter what, I will never deny you. I will never do that but the resurrection, it changed everything. Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 8. It changed everything in the disciples' life. It's changed everything in Simon Peter's life. And it should change everything into our life. Here's what the Scripture says, starting in verse 24, or starting in verse, verse 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, talk about Easter Sunday, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they, followed, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But they went in, they, But when they went in, they did not find the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee? Remember when he spoke to you plainly? Remember when he he wanted you to understand this? Remember that, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? And they remembered his words. This changed everything for them, and it changes everything for us. And they literally took off running. They had unbelievable joy. They couldn't even contain themselves that he is alive and that everything that he said is true and that, he, that, he's, that he's resurrected. And even death could not hold him. He is more than a hero. He is a savior. He is the perfect one. He is the Messiah. All kinds of religions have come and gone. And they've made some unbelievable claims. But there is only one that has backed it up. Buddha is still in the grave. Muhammad still in the grave. Uh, I've been to Israel. I've been in the tomb. And he is not there. There is only one. And he tells me. And he tells you that if I will follow him, if I will make him Lord over my life. See, for some of us, it's easier to accept him than to make him Lord over our life. And he told them and he tells us that if you will accept me and you will make me Lord over your life and follow me, you will rise too. You will have victory over death. But Simon Peter had failed him. Simon Peter, the one that said, I'll follow you to death, the one that said, I'll never deny you. Because of his fear of death, when a girl asked, do you know him? She said, I don't even know him. I don't even know who you're talking about. I think you're the one that was, no, you've got me confused with someone else. And Scripture says that, Jesus, that Simon Peter looked and saw into the eyes of Jesus, and he saw his eyes and their eyes met, and he wept bitterly. I wonder, I wonder what Simon Peter's thought process was when his Scripture says that he wept bitterly. Maybe some of the motions that we've had. I can't believe I just did that. I did something I said I would never do. I said something that I said I would never say. I feel like a failure. You hypocrite. You call yourself a Christian. Yeah, it looked good when you stood stood up in front of all the disciples and said, Jesus, these guys may fall away, but I will not. I will follow you to death if I have to. I wonder what was the thought process that went through Simon P- Peter's mind. God can never use me because of my failure in my life. I'm damaged goods. I'm just not good enough. And then to escape, like many of us, Simon Peter just went back to his old way of life. He went back to fishing. That was a life that he had known before Christ. And it says that he's with his buddies, the disciples, and they're on a lake, and they see that someone is, is preparing a fish, fish breakfast on the on the shores and they had this discussion about who it was and then they realized who it was that it was Jesus and Simon Peter the one with all the guilt and all the failure and all the stuff that goes on with that couldn't get to him fast enough and he jumped out of the boat and here's a crazy thing when you read this in John 21 Simon Peter was the first one there the last one to talk to Jesus Because of his guilt, his failure, he denied Christ. He was the first one there. The fact is, he didn't really approach Christ. At the end of the breakfast, Christ pursued him like he pursues you and I, even in our rebellion what Scripture says. Verse 15 out of John chapter 21. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these men? Do you love me more than the relationships that are around you? Do you love me more than the heroes you have set up in your life that you've denied me? Simon Peter do you love me? Simon Peter responded back and said yes Lord you know that I love you feed my lambs, Simon Peter I can still use you you're not damaged goods Feed my lambs. And Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, You know everything. Simon got it. Simon understood. This wasn't an earthly hero. This was the one that knew the motives and the thoughts and the hearts of men and women and boys and girls. Lord you know everything you know that I that I love you and Jesus said feed my sheep it was there over the fish breakfast that Jesus reinstated Peter that Jesus went to him and said I know what you said I know what you did Come to me for forgiveness and for acceptance and understand, understand who I am. Simon Peter, I don't want to be your hero. I never asked for that. I want to be your savior. I want to be your Messiah. I'm the one who knew no sin. I'm the perfect lamb. The only one that can take away your sin. Take away your guilt. The only one that forgives. And the truth is, the people who follow God still fail. The people who follow God still fall into sin people who follow God still get the phone call in the middle of the night that we've all dreaded. The people who follow God still end up in situations they wish they never had been. The people that follow God end up praying for a loved one in the middle of the ICU. The people that follow God have difficulties in their life. But Simon Peter knew this, and and I personally know this. I know that no matter what is going on in my life outside of me, no matter what I'm walking through, no matter what difficulty and hurt and pain I'm experiencing, that inside, that God is renewing me, and he's developing me, and he loves me and he accepts me and he has patience with me. And Simon Peter learned over a fish breakfast that his sin, when you're in Christ, does not separate you from him. And even in the midst of our failure, even in the midst when we did what we said we wouldn't do, we said what we said we wouldn't do, that he still pursues us to bring us into a relationship with him. I know in my darkest hour, whether it's circumstances I have caused or someone has caused around me, that he will be there. That's the difference between a hero and a Messiah, that he has conquered death. And then Jesus does something really, really strange to me. Jesus reinstates him and then says, oh, Simon Peter, let me tell you what's gonna happen in your life. Watch this, it seems so strange. Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus is talking. They're still having this conversation. He had reinstated him. He said, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you go and carry you where you do not want to go. This, he said, to show what kind of death this Simon Peter was to have to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to Simon Peter, Follow me. Now, why would Jesus do this? Why, why would Jesus reinstate him? And they say, Simon Peter, I got to tell you, you're going to die. You're going to die a horrible death. I mean, what he was telling him, you're going to be crucified. What he was telling him, the day is going to come, they're going to dress you for your death the day is going to come they're not only going to just dress you for your death they're going to take you where you do not want to go and they are going to stretch out your arms and they're going to nail you to a cross it'd be about 30 years before simon peter would experience this death he'd have about 30 years to think about how he's going to die and so the question i had this last week why in the world would jesus say that i mean i know he has a purpose for everything he does but why would he say that I believe he told him that because he said, Simon Peter, remember you failed me because if you're afraid of death in me, with me, your greatest failure is going to become your greatest victory. That thing in your life... That you think is the greatest failure in your life that brings you pain and embarrassment? When he becomes your Messiah, can be your greatest victory. Simon Peter, just because you failed me that way once doesn't mean you're going to do it again when you follow me. Simon Peter, I believe in you. And he promises to do it for us is well. See, Simon Peter knew, or Jesus knew what Simon Peter was going through, just like he knows what you're going through this morning. He knows that if you feel like you've been abused or used or victimized or, or forgotten or abandoned, maybe you're in the middle of an illness. Maybe you have buried a spouse or a loved one. Maybe you've kissed a loved one goodbye and put them on a plane to Iraq and you don't know what's going to happen. Jesus Christ knows what you're going through. That's why, that's why Hebrews tells us that he can sympathize with our weaknesses. He can sympathize with our hurt because he came to this earth and he took on human limitations so that he could sympathize with us. He knows he knows it's tough to be us. And he understands that. Psalms 49, seven through9. Scripture says this: it says, "Truly, no man can ransom another. You cannot be a hero. You cannot save another." So whats the scripture saying? There is no way you can save another. It doesn't mean if it's, whether it's a parent, whether it's a child, whether it's a friend, whether it's a husband or a wife, you cannot save another. Watch this. He even goes deeper. And truly, no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. Guess what? We can't save others and we can't save ourselves. It is so clear. For the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice. That's why we don't need a hero, we need a messiah. We need a savior. That he should live on and never see the pit. It's the picture of of hell. It's the picture of 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 that there's no matter what you and I can do that can save ourselves. And we need to understand this principle because it's so critical to Easter Sunday and to the celebration that we, that we celebrate this weekend. It's crucial to our faith to understand that. Uh, we, we raised our girls, I was born in, in, in Texas, in Houston, Texas, and, and uh, we raised our girls for the first part of their life in Texas. And If you know anything about Texas, high heat, high humidity, it's just a, it, it, you just don't go out much. You go from one refrigerated air place to another. And so birthdays were spent at Chuck E Cheese. I don't know if you have that tradition here but we spent a lot of time at Chuck E Cheese at at, at birthdays and and so here's how here's how it happens at Chuck E Cheese is that that you you go into Chuck E Cheese and and you get birthday tokens. All the kids get tokens. And so they played arcade games and they get like a boatload of tickets. It's unbelievable how many tickets these kids, I mean, to them, it's more money in the world. And so, so at the end of your stay at Chuck E. Cheese on the way out, you redeem those tickets and then you redeem those tickets and then you get to purchase free with your tickets a prize. So we'd always take our girls to the glass case and which they'd shove their tickets away and you know they're on the other side, they're counting it and and then our girls are looking at trying to pick out what they want. And so, you know, maybe like your kids, they look at the top row and they see you know, it's like life-size stuffed animals uh, on the top row and they're like, That's what I want. And I'm like, Hey, how much how much of those tickets does that require? And they're like, two hundred thousand. And so uh Uh, there's a but that's that's the ticket that's that's what i want and so all of a sudden the girl will look back over the 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 display desk and and uh she'll say you got a hundred tickets and our kids are looking you know at their tickets a hundred tickets and looking at what they want and so they said well how about the second row oh no worries that's only like you know 50,000 tickets okay how about the next row Oh, that's that's like twenty thousand tickets and and so we go this till till we work our way down to the glass case. And we walk out with a paperclip. <laughs> or a pencil or a racer. You guys have been there, right? And you you I mean you're dragging your kids out, and this is not a good thing anymore. And so but we'd have those conversations because at one time they refused to redeem their tickets. They says, Well, we'll just keep coming back and save up enough tickets. I'm like you'll never be able to. We come back 3 times a day. And they're standing there and they're trying to figure out how are they able to get what they want with the tickets they have? A lot of us live life like that spiritually. And we start going through life and we start trying to earn just enough tickets to feel good about ourselves to have eternal life and so we we say I'll, I'll talk nicer I'll be more polite I'll go to church more I'll read my bible more I'll I'll help people I'll give some money to the poor I will I will volunteer more I will be more loving you know right and then there's There's some whole denominations based on this. Rules, rituals, regulations. And you're trying to go through the motions and and you're trying to earn enough tickets and you're trying to be good enough and there's people that will tell you, oh, all good people go to heaven but nobody can tell you where the benchmark is. And so nobody has to tell us about Psalm 49. If you're trying to live your life based on the ticket system, you know, no matter, no matter the good things you do, no matter the great things you do, you never feel like it's enough, right? You never feel like it's enough. And you go through life like this, and you're looking, you're looking about, you want peace, and you want joy, You want forgiveness of sin. It takes away guilt. And you're looking at the tickets that you've acquired and looking at the cross. And you know it's not enough. You know. You know your life. You know what you've done. So what do you do? What do you do? Well, here's what Jesus does. He comes in and he scoops up his tickets and he says, Guys, I got enough tickets for everybody. Follow me, accept me. It's not about rules, and it's not about regulations. It is about a relationship with me. You can never earn enough. You can never be good enough. You can never be bright enough. I have enough tickets for everybody. Simon Peter, over a fish breakfast, come to me. Live your life. Repent. Follow me. And I'll make your greatest failure your greatest victory in me in a relationship with me you don't have to fail the same way in the future that you failed in the past I will empower you I will strengthen you I desire a relationship with you I can still use you would you enter into a relationship with me as the offer that he makes to us Maybe you've lived your life on the ticket method. Maybe you've been in a denomination that taught it's on the ticket method. Maybe you've never come to him. Listen, this morning, you are not here by accident. The disciples and Simon Peter, they didn't end up at a fish breakfast by accident. Do you need to accept him this morning? Do you need to make a commitment to him and ask him to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins? Maybe this morning you'd say, you know what, I've done that. I'm kind of a Simon Peter in my life. And I did something I said I'd never do. I said I said something I said I'd never do. I've wept bitterly over my failure, my sin. I tried to earn enough tickets and try to take care of that debt in the past and I can't, he's pursuing you this moment. Would you come to him? Would you bow your heads? All heads bowed, all eyes closed. I'm gonna make this as plainly as I know how to do. There's some of you this morning that you need to accept him for the very first time in your life and ask him to come into your life to give you the forgiveness of sin and the gift of eternal life. Jesus is the one. He says, you profess me amongst men and I'll profess you amongst my father. And I don't commonly do this in our church, but I just feel really led that I need to do this here. If you'd like to accept him for the very first time in your life, I'm not going to have you walk down or do anything like that. But would you just stand right where you are right now? Anyone else? This is the easiest place to do this. you got a lot of people praying for you. Anyone else? Maybe there's some of you, while some are still standing, come on, you keep standing. Now we've been praying for you. Maybe there's some of you that would say, you know what, I have a relationship with him, but I feel like Simon Peter, and I, I need to rededicate my life to him. Why don't you stand with them? If that is you and you'd like prayer for that, stand with them. We got people in the balcony standing. is your moment Father we thank you for this morning and Father we thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace Father I thank you for those that are standing in this room and for life change and for their acceptance of you. Father, may they follow you. Father, may they walk with you. Father they, may they know that you have made a change in their life this day. Would it change everything about their life? Father, I pray for those who have stood and said, "I just want to rededicate my life. I'm so sorry for some things I've done and some things I've said. and Lord, I'm home. I'm home. And I ask that you forgive me. And I commit this day to follow you to the very best of my ability. Thank you for your forgiveness. Father, thank you that my greatest failure of the past can be my greatest victory of the future. Thank you that my sin does not define me. Father, thank you that even though i failed in the past, I don't have to fail the same way in the future in you. And I love you with all my heart, and I thank you for these, for we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, I am so proud of you. And I know... I know that there's some of you who had stood that you've had a loved one praying for you for an awfully long time. Let me just encourage you if you're not currently in a church that boy, getting a good Bible-believing church it's, it's not only about Fellowship the Rockies it's about a relationship with Him. We would love to have you. Uh, we meet every Sunday, 9 and 1045 on the south side in the old 4th Screen Movie Theater at Northern and Pueblo Boulevard. We'd love to have you. But thank you for celebrating Easter with us.